that video summarizes uh, in a minute and 50 seconds uh, what I basically said, you know, in 45 minutes last week, and that is that when we sing, it truly does matter to God. And we, we spent the whole sermon kind of going through time, really, through the history of the Bible, showing that, that when we sing in church and individually and wherever to God, it actually matters to God. He cares about it. That was the driving force of that whole entire sermon. And maybe, I don't know if you thought about it this much or you got to this point, but but maybe you said, okay, it's cool that, that God cares that I sing, but does it matter that I sing here? Does it matter that when we come together as a church, we sing. I mean, is this important? Is this part of what we do important? And it, and is maybe you thought this is it important that I sing because you know it, when I come to church, there's people next to me singing, and there's other people who will you know sing, and there's a band up there who's singing. But does it matter that that I engage in this thing called singing? And you hear that sometimes, right? I mean, people people that will say things like, well. I, I have a relationship with God, but I don't go to church. And, and that's not just saying I don't need to sing at church. That's saying I don't need to do anything at church. This church gathering thing doesn't matter. But today, I think we're going to see that specifically, specifically, it, it matters a lot that you sing in this setting that we're in this morning. You see, what we'll get to in, in this passage, I think, reflects something that, that I've seen in my own personal life quite a bit. And and that is this, that, that I can listen to a, a long sermon, a great sermon, in fact, and go, well, that's pretty good. But then the one song that follows the sermon in some way uh, touches my heart and changes my mind more than all of the well-said words that came out of the pastor's mouth. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but you sit there and you go, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then all of a sudden, the song comes on and the lyrics with the melody, with the voices around you, it does something different in you than the greatest Bible preaching can do. And I think that we're going to see why, because of how God has kind of set up this thing called church uh, later today. Um, we know already that, that music moves us. We know that, right? I mean, you kind of know that. And maybe everybody isn't on the same wavelength with how much music moves them. Uh, but I've seen it in almost every person that I know, you know well, that, that at certain points in their life, when certain songs come on the radio or come through a CD or through their iPhone, it touches their heartstrings in a different way. Just a different way than, than really anything else, maybe, maybe anything else can possibly do. Anne Lamont, who uh, I, I own one of her books, uh, but I, I don't think that theologically we probably align, so I just want to say that up front that I'm not given her the endorsement as an author, but uh, I read this story about her this week. Anne Lamont heard some music or some gospel music drifting out into the street um, from a building across the street, and she wandered over to take a look. Joining in what she called the glorious noise, she says of that encounter, something inside of me that was stiff and rotting would feel soft and tender. The singing wore down all the boundaries and distinctions that kept me so isolated. And I think that that's what music, that's what singing can do for us. 
I think that, that when a congregation sings, and we're going to get to this in a second, it tears down boundaries that were otherwise up. And, and when the melody strikes and, and God is moving in just the right way, it, it turns what is kind of rotting and broken and hurting, just to kind of mix a bunch of metaphors together. And, and it does something. It heals and it fixes and it builds up in a really kind of powerful and unique way. And I think... What we'll see in this passage today, starting in Ephesians 5.15, what we'll see is that God has in some ways dictated, created in us this response to music because what he's going to say, let me just get to the point, is that we need to make music from our hearts so that other people around us in our church can be taught and can be convicted and can be encouraged. Before we get to the passage, let me just kind of set it up for you. It's really important. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, is writing this letter that we actually just recently studied, but we really talked about our identity in Christ through that series. Uh, and we kind of just briefly touched on this passage that we'll look at today because we were really focused on that identity uh, idea in the book of Ephesians. But, but Paul has really set up this passage by saying, look, here's what you need to know. You were in darkness. You were in a state of total immorality. You were not living for God or following God or forgiven for the things that you have done wrong. Your lives were, were just, you know, not so good. And, and now Jesus has died for you and he rose again so that your sins might be forgiven. And if that's true of you, this is what Paul is saying, if you've accepted that gift and it's true of you, then you've been brought out of darkness into light. Your life has actually been changed in a very real, very tangible Way, not just some theological kind of out there idea, but your life has been changed because now you live for God and you want to serve God and you have the forgiveness of God and you feel the joy of God and life has just been changed. And here's the other thing uh, that Paul wants to set up, or, or excuse me, he wants to set up in three ways what we're really going to look at today. And so the first couple of verses that we're going to look at uh, are important because they set up this, this concept of singing and, and why we sing. And so here's what Paul begins with. Uh, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, if you're a Christian at all, really, and especially a Christian who is striving uh, to serve God, then, then what Paul says here is pretty important. I mean, he says, like, uh, be careful how you live. That's pretty important. And he actually uses this, this phrase walk, and it's something that Christians talk about a lot, uh, their walk with Jesus. And we kind of use this language of, of, of our Christian faith and the journey of our Christian faith as being this walk. And you hear it a lot. I mean, people go like, how's your walk? And it's a little dated now. It's more like a 90s thing. But, but how's your walk? And, and we go, well, it could be better. And so Paul here sets up by saying, look, Walk carefully is the actual literal language. Walk carefully. And that's pretty important because he's going to show us some parts of walking carefully in just a, a second here. And, and here's the other part. He says, make the most of every opportunity. That's a pretty important call. And I'll just ask the question just right up front. Do we make the most of every opportunity when we come to church? And I think it's going to factor into the singing portion because it's set up for what Paul says about singing. But do you, let me rephrase, do you make the most of every opportunity when it comes to this thing called church? 
I think that's an important question. When you show up here on a Sunday morning, are you grasping a hold of all the benefits of worshiping God in a congregation or are you just going through the motions? But it's important to remember that what Paul is going to say about singing is connected to, first of all, being careful in your walk, in your Christian faith, and making the most of every opportunity. And then there's this last part. He says, know the will of God. That's kind of a big deal. Even people who aren't Christians, but you know, just maybe aren't hostile to Christianity and the ideas of Christianity would say, well, that sounds like a pretty good thing. I would like to know what the will of God is. I would like to know what God wants me to do. Oftentimes we even ask that. Usually it's about specific situations. I just wish I knew what God wanted me to do. If God would just tell me what to do. And Paul's about to lay out some principles one of which is singing and why we sing and how we sing. And it's going to be part of what God desires from you and I. It's a big deal. And so I just, one more time, let me just repeat those for you because what he's about to say, I think, I, I really do, and I, I think, you know, we do this with a lot of the stuff that we deem smaller for whatever reason, and maybe I shouldn't speak for you, a lot of stuff that I sometimes deem smaller, uh, I just kind of, oh, that's in the Bible somewhere, you know, not that important, but Paul sets up what we're about to read with, hey, be careful how you live your life, uh, make the most of every single opportunity, and know what the will of God is. And so with that in mind, here's what Paul first says. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk. We like that part. Christians really know that part. If you're not a, a, not, a, 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 not a Christian, then you know that Christians really like that part because that's one of our big ones. Don't get drunk. And I would just like to stop here and say, don't get drunk. That's a good point of the sermon. Don't get drunk. Uh, Paul says it. He says it's part of being careful. He says it's part of following Jesus. He says it's part of the Christian life. He says it's part of making the most of every opportunity. I've been around drunk people. It's pretty difficult to make the most of every opportunity when you're drunk. Uh, and so I'm just going to say it. Uh, and hopefully you, you know this, but, but, but I realize that it's a problem for many people. Don't get drunk. It's a part of what the Bible declares. And you, you've maybe heard that it's in the Bible, but there it is right there in Ephesians 5.18. Don't get drunk. This part we don't talk as much about. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled up with the Holy Spirit. We just did a sermon on this, but I kind of want to iterate some of the things that I kind of put into that sermon. I went back and listened this week so I could save myself a little bit of study. Uh, and I, and I want to remind you what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's really important because Paul is saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there's a comma. You'll notice a comma if you're looking at your Bibles. And then he's going to launch right into singing. And so before we look at the singing, it's important that you remember that it's connected to this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we did this last sermon series on the Holy Spirit, we talked quite a bit about how in church circles like our own, sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes up, it's a little scary and a little weird, and we just think that it means that people that speak in tongues down the road and, and, and pray for people to be healed healed something we just did so maybe we're becoming that church I don't know but but you know we get kind of worried like are people going to start doing weird stuff and here's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit this is how you can work at it uh, just a little five-step process don't grieve the Holy Spirit 
First of all, that just means don't do things that you already know you ought not do. If you're a Christian and you're trying to live for God, it's really difficult to say, Holy Spirit, I want more of you, but I don't really want what you've already given me. It's kind of stupid, right? Give me more, but I don't really want this part that you've already given me. And so the first, the first kind of part of, of being filled with the Holy Spirit is don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And all this is going to factor in to our singing. Remember the Holy Spirit. We talked about a few weeks ago inviting the Holy Spirit into our service and into our lives and just remembering that it's not just Father and Son in the Trinity, this, this God that we serve that is three uh, beings in one Godhead. Uh, it's not just those two, but also there's this Holy Spirit who's alive and active and moving and, and wants to be a part of your life and interact with you and help you to do greater things than even Jesus did. And that goes right along with invite the Holy Spirit to be part of your life. Remember that he's there. Invite him to be a bigger part of your life. And then listen to the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we just don't care what the Holy Spirit has to say. And that means, first of all, in the Bible, not paying attention, not looking at what God has already said to us through his Holy Spirit in the Word of God, the Bible. And it also means just saying, God, speak to me. Talk to me. Do something in my life. I, I want to pay attention to you. I want to listen for you. And then the last thing is learn from the Holy Spirit. And specifically, again, that's in the Word of God. You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit and ignore this book that He has provided for us already. And so Paul sets this up, and we said that, just again a few weeks ago, we said that, that being filled with the Holy Spirit, a lot of people in kind of our kind of faith traditions, our kind of Christian backgrounds, uh, just kind of, you know, uh, more kind of more dry and more Bible-focused. They want to make being filled with the Holy Spirit all about just knowing the Word of God. And then there's these other kind of traditions that want to make it all about crazy stuff happening. And we said that maybe we should just let it be about what the Holy Spirit wants to be. And we have to be comfortable with, with knowing that He might do weird stuff. But we also have to you know, be focused on actually learning from Him and living for Him and, and doing the right things. And, and then allow the Holy Spirit to kind of do what He wants to do. So Paul says all that and one little phrase, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then Paul says this thing about song. And so you must remember as we go into verse 19 that Paul is in part saying that what we do in verses 19 and 20 is connected to us making an effort to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I'll point out ahead of time that if we are going to be a congregation that sings in a way that really pleases God and sings in a way that is real and right and good and powerful, then it starts long before we get here on a Sunday morning. It starts in our closets, metaphorically. It starts on our knees when we get before God and we say, God, fill me up. Let me not quench your Holy Spirit. Do something powerful in me. Be a part of my life. That is where the singing really starts. And here's what Paul says about song. Speaking to one another, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bob Coughlin, a pastor, said this, Another characteristic of New Testament corporate song is the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians 5.17 clearly implies that the singing of the early Christians was an overflow of the Spirit at work in their hearts. Corporate worship was never a lifeless routine or ritualistic event for the New Testament church. Did you hear what Bob Coughlin said? He said that when we sing, it ought to be an overflow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you see what I think oftentimes happens Maybe the problem that we sometimes have in this church and a lot of churches have is that we come hoping that the music will fill us up and hoping that the sermon will fill us up and hoping that the prayers will fill us up. And Bob Coughlin reminds us that this verse points out and says that while you may be filled up, it ought to be that you are singing, and I would say learning and praying, from a place of having been filled through the week. And Paul says that, that very interesting line, make music to, notice who he says it to, one another. Isn't that fascinating that he says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit? I mean, he says, sing to one another. Now, this is interesting to me because, let me tell you why, I have always been the guy, and I kind of mentioned this last week, who has a problem with songs that are aimed at one another. And we did three of them this morning. I've always been a guy that in church settings, when I'm singing, long before I was a pastor, when I was sitting out there, you know, and I'd be singing along, I, I, I would be bothered when we would sing things like, sing with me, how great is our God? Because I'm thinking like, why don't I just say, God, you're great. God, you are great. Why am I singing to the person next to me. Why does it, because this is about me and God. That's how I've always thought of it. And that, I would like to point out, has in some ways made me a person that prefers in a lot of ways to sing to Jesus alone. I like, if I could be honest with you, to be alone in my room and, and, and sing with uh, my favorite worship CD, Passion One Day Live, and, and just kind of not have anybody around, and I can be as charismatic or as uncharismatic as I want, and it can be as real as I want to be. Some of my greatest church worship experiences at this church happen right back there, uh, where you can't see me. Now you're going to be thinking, what's going on back there? I've been on my knees. I've had my hands up. I've worried that the band was going to hear me and then lose the note. Um, if ever they miss a note on the song, that follows uh, the sermon, then you'll know it's probably because I'm in their ear and they're thinking this is terrible. Uh, and I mean, I, some of my greatest worship experiences are back there um, because I have, I, I, nobody showed me this verse. I mean, I've always just thought we sing and it goes from our heart to God. But what Paul declares here is that part of our, our corporate singing is that I am singing to you. Singing to you. Now, he lists three types of songs here, and they're actually um, pretty unimportant, the three types of songs, because a lot of people would say that there is no split at all in, in what these things mean, that he just kind of means all kinds of Christian songs. But some people try to make the split, and maybe you can too, because that actually just reading this has kind of opened me up a little bit to other types of music in the church, like uh, you know, my grandpa would love if we had a solo every week and right during the offering, like in the good old days of a church in America, you know, and uh, uh, just how they did it when the Bible was around, you know, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, and uh, uh, and I've, always, I've always butted up against that because it's like, well, 
I don't really want a guy singing to me or a girl singing to me because it's about me and God, you know, and so what is the point? But, but this kind of helped me in my thinking and, and really helped me to kind of think like, wait a minute, maybe, you know, when they sing or, or today, you know, the lyrics weren't up there while Haley and Brandon sang that part, maybe that's actually really valuable. Maybe that's really important that we don't always have lyrics on the screen and, and sometimes we just have people singing to one another. And, and so here's the split. Psalms equals Psalms. Like the Psalms in the Old Testament, there's 150 of them and the Jews would have sang them as part of their liturgy, part of their corporate worship setting. And so when you see Psalms there, it's pretty obviously the Psalms. Uh, The next one are hymns and that would be our worship songs. That wouldn't mean songs that are 500 years old like you think of a hymn today. Like we just, all we've, I don't know why, where this happened in the history of church music, but we've just made the word hymn mean old song. Uh, but that's not what him means on its most basic level. And that's not what Paul meant by the word him. He just meant probably, if he meant anything besides church music, uh, he meant worship songs. Songs that you that you sing to God and about God. And uh, we talked about some of that in the sermon last week. You can go back online and listen to that. And then the last part, these spiritual songs, would be like other Christian music. Songs that you know you might hear on the radio that's Christian music, but it's not worship music per se. Um, It's just Christian music. And I'll tell you what, I'll just kind of give you an example of this. There's a couple of songs that have really changed my life that that I don't think anybody could call a a worship song. And one is by Todd Agnew called My Jesus. Um, And it's, it's just about how my Jesus wouldn't be allowed in my church because it's the blood on his feet might stain the carpets. That's a line. And that song completely impacted me at a time where I needed to be impacted because I would spend, you know, the next couple years doing uh, homeless ministry. And, and God really used that song to kind of challenge me and to make me think about how I treat, you know, the smelly person that walks in and the hurting person that walks in and, and, and really worked through that song. The other one is a country song. And I've talked about this one before uh, by Tommy Shane Steiner. It's called, What If She's an Angel? And uh, the song kind of goes through these different people that you would encounter in life. There's no good theology for this, but, uh, but it's about like, what if they were an angel who was sent to test uh, how you were responding to these different people in these different situations, people that are panhandling, uh, people that are in abusive relationships, uh, uh, people who are dying, you know, and, and the song actually altered my life. It, I would actually say to you, I think this is true, it's probably the most important song as far as my spiritual development goes that I've ever listened to. And most people would go, that's just a dumb country song. It probably wouldn't hit you in the same way, but it, it actually altered my life forever. Uh, and the song is uh, 15 years old now, probably. Uh, and, and so this is the, kind of the last, if there is a, a delineation between these songs, it, it's that there's, there's these other songs that we should be singing to each other. We should just be kind of singing, you know, what if she's an angel sent here from heaven, but we should probably get our theology right. And, and so Paul says, look, uh, all kinds of Christian music you ought to be making to one another. Colossians 3.16, another letter written by Paul, another verse written by Paul. He says this other thing that's very similar and very important. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you, check this out, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. That's pretty good. We're all used to that. Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see, what it says is that when we sing, 
We don't just sing because we're saying, God, I love you, and God, you're great, and you are awesome, and all that. We are singing because we are teaching and rebuking and encouraging, and I probably, I think that Paul could add a lot of other, but we are, we are inspiring in some way the other people who are around us. You see, we think, we do, that there's a band who inspires us when we kind of get together, and that's the corporate kind of mindset now. But the reality, according to Paul, is that we, one another, and there's a tons, tons of one another's, and we don't forget about a lot of them, like be united with one another and take care of one another and be hospitable to one another. But Paul says, sing to one another in order that people might be taught and rebuked, and I would say encouraged and inspired and enlightened and excited and, and hopeful and joyful and more passionate. I mean, we sing because somebody is sitting next to us. And they need to hear our voices. They need to hear the melody of our hearts so that they might be inspired to serve God in a greater way. You see, we can't just sing alone back off stage or in our bedrooms because a huge part of why we come together is so that we can sing to one another as we, I'll point this out, sing to God. And we'll get to that in a second. Now there's this part that Paul includes that's very valuable very, very valuable because he says, when you sing these songs, it ought to be from your heart. And we already know what that means, right? Because that's an English idiom as well as a Greek idiom. I mean, we understand what it means to sing from our hearts. We understand, you know, I, I, let's have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. You know what that means. It doesn't mean that you're just going to talk about the weather or, you know, kind of just go through the motions. It means that you want to get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, and so we kind of know what it means. But I want to just give you this, this definition from greattreasures.org, a website that I advertise in my sermons quite a bit. Uh, best, help, most helpful website for studying the Bible on the Internet. Uh, this is how it defines the, the heart is used in the Bible as an organ of the body. It is the seed of life which chiefly and finally participates in all its movements. Also, as the seat and center of man's personal life in which the distinctive character of the human manifests itself, hence the significance of the heart as the starting point of the developments and the manifestations of the personal life as well as the organ or of the concentration and outgo. From the heart means with your whole being. When Paul says to, to sing from your heart, he's talking about singing from the core of who you are. Now, this includes your emotions, but it's not limited to your emotions because sometimes I think that's how I and you maybe think of it. People that aren't singing with all their emotion are singing less than somebody who is. And I would say that could be true, but somebody who's not singing with their intellect is also not. Even if they're singing with all their emotion, they're not singing from their heart. And I would add this, that, that part of singing from your heart probably means you're putting your body position in, in, in a way that, that reflects that your whole being is pouring out these songs. And so if you sit or you stand or you get on your knees or you lay flat on your face, I think that you ought to have a reflection even in your body that says, from the center of my being, the core of who I am, I am pouring out these psalms and these hymns and these spiritual songs to people because I want them to worship God more fully. You see, I don't think we're encouraged and inspired. 
when people around us sing half-heartedly or less. It's not just that people are singing. I'll tell you this, I love Garth Brooks. I've mentioned this in sermons before too. Uh, and what I love about Garth Brooks uh, is that when Garth Brooks sings, I believe what he's singing. And it's funny because he's a faker, um, because he doesn't write any of his music. Uh, but there's uh, just illustrating the point, not that you should copy Garth Brooks and really try to put on a show. Uh, but, but when he sings his songs, I, I feel as though they are coming from the depth of who he is. And maybe they are. Maybe he just sings songs and buys songs that really connect with him and he gets them and he pours them out. And, and, I, and so for me, as I've, you know, I mentioned this last week, like breakup songs don't do it for me anymore because I have a, a great marriage and I like my wife and we don't have too many problems. But when my heart had been broken by those girls who didn't know how awesome I was, um, Garth Brooks would sing these songs and they would touch me in the, really the deepest places of my life because it was like he means what he is saying and singing. And the melody lines up with the words and, and even when you watch him, his face lines up with what's coming out of his mouth and you go, I'm touched in a new way. And I think what Paul is saying here is that when we sing from our hearts, from the depths of who we are, and we mean what we say, and our emotions and our body and our voices all align with, with these, this, these words that are coming out of our mouths in melody or an attempt at melody, if you're like me, then, then the people around us are going to be moved forward in their relationship with God or towards a relationship with God. You see, last week I said something, and I, I talked to this with some, about this with somebody in our congregation that that I said, I, I have a problem with the way we sing, and I'll, I'll continue to stand by that, uh, that, that I don't think we do this from the heart thing. But oftentimes, I'll be honest, uh, I make a judgment call on that based on what your face looks like and how loud you are and what you do with your hands or whatever. That's what I base that on oftentimes. But the reality is, what you do when we sing may be very different than what I do because if it's coming from this deep place, our souls, our spirit, as Paul says in other, way, other places, he says, I will sing from my spirit. If it is coming from our hearts, the very center of who we are, then it's often going to look different. And it can't just look like us trying to follow everybody else around us. Now, that's not an excuse to be a lifeless robot. It's just a reason for you, as I said last week, to sing from whatever emotion and whatever place you are in theologically and to sing because of what God is doing or what God hasn't done or what you want God to do. Because when you do that, I believe what Paul is telling us is that people next to you are going to be encouraged and inspired and convicted and taught. I think that if we will learn to sing from our hearts, that when people come in here who aren't Christians, they're going to, to be moved closer to wanting to be a Christian. I mean, they're going to be softened, as Anne Lamont said. They're going to be softened and the walls are going to be torn down because they'll go, these people really believe this and they sing in a way that I've never experienced. I don't know if you've ever been to a concert and, and you go to the concert and maybe you don't like the band ahead of time 
And then by the end, you're like, I like these people because everybody else around you seems to really like them and they're into it and they're singing and they're happy or they're sad or they're crying tears or they got their lights up or whatever because they are really into it from their hearts. And you get sucked up in that. And Paul says that while that's just a moment for those people, we can do something very real if we will take our singing in the context of church as seriously, more seriously, I hope, than people take it when they go to see their favorite band. And I would say that when our hearts pour out, it should be something greater than the world could ever imagine or know at some stupid concert. Uh, Because we believe that the God of the universe stepped out of heaven so that he might die and rise again for our sins. And he rose again. That's pretty incredible. And he did it so that you and I might have forgiveness and joy and hope and love and peace and that someday we might go to heaven. And so when our hearts open up in melody and song, it should be like nothing the world has ever known. How could we possibly just be lifeless robots who look at a screen and sing the words that are on them without ever thinking about what is on them or worrying about the center of our being and what is coming out. Paul says that that people around us are convicted and and taught, and I would think encouraged and, and moved forward when we sing from the very core of our beings. And notice, I want to point this out, that we sing to God. Isn't that interesting? He says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Speak to one another through songs as you speak to the Lord. And it's pretty important because if you go, well, Chad thinks I ought to be more into this thing, and you go, I'm going to sing so Chad thinks I'm more into it, nobody's going to be encouraged or inspired. Or if you go, well, there's people around me and and it's all about them. Nobody's going to be encouraged or inspired or taught. The key, kind of the hook here, is that we make this melody to each other because we love God and on our affections and our emotions and our being is centered at pleasing Him. The goal cannot be to please other people. The goal really can't even be on the top level to encourage and inspire and teach other people. The goal must be to bring worship to the God who has created and saved us. Because when this kind of weird cycle goes together, I'm singing because these people need to be inspired, but I only care about inspiring them because I want God to be worshipped and honored and pleased. When we kind of have that cycle going on, that's when the magic happens in the middle of a church setting. That's when people are moved forward, and I believe God is honored in a way that he wants to be honored. We saw it last week through the singing that we make, through the music of our hearts. And he adds this, this other part that's so important. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we discussed this pretty in depth last week, but uh, it's worth repeating, right? Because we come here and, and we think, if, if, if I'm in the right place, kind of the right space emotionally and if, I'm, if I feel ready, if I feel good about showing up and singing, then maybe there's a chance I will sing these psalms and these hymns and these spiritual songs and I will make music from my heart and others will be encouraged. If I'm just, if I had a good week or if I had a bad week for something, I sing better from a place of hurt than I sing from a, a place of joy in my own kind of personal makeup. And uh, if I'm just in that right spot, 
And it's like Paul can hear you. It's like Paul can hear me. And he goes, always giving thanks for everything. Always giving thanks for everything. Corey Tinboom, you may have heard of her. Uh, spent time in, in the Nazi concentration camp, and uh, she has this great story about how they had fleas, and she hated the fleas. And, and one day her sister said to her, hey, there's a verse in the Bible uh, that says you should always give thanks for everything. And, and so they started, uh, this is a real story, to thank God for the fleas. Uh, they, they would just bow on their knees and they would say, God, we thank you for these fleas. And the fleas actually ended up saving uh, her life in the end because they, uh, they caused a problem that led to another problem and she was able to be uh, saved, like physically saved, not like Christian saved, like she actually was physically saved because God had provided these fleas or at least uh, because God allowed for these fleas to be there. And and so we look and we go, how could we possibly do it? But there's at least one example in the world of a person who said, I'm going to take the word of God seriously and I'm going to thank God always and for everything. And so when you come here on a Sunday and you sing, I mean, it's really easy to go, I'm not that thankful or whatever, but we have the hope of Jesus. That's a big deal. But we should not only be saying, God, thank you for Jesus, but thank you for everything. Because God has promised that in all things he will work for the good of those who love him. And so it is our call to worship God. Not just when we feel like it, not just when the week has been good or bad or when the emotions connect, but in everything and always. And so when you come here on a Sunday morning and you open your mouths to pour out a song of praise, you should remember that you are giving thanks to God, and it doesn't matter how you feel or what you've been through this week, it matters that you pour out your heart to God in thanksgiving because of who God is and what God has done. John Piper said this, I was at a convention recently, seated near the rear of the auditorium. The music team at the front were leading, and I use that word advisedly, he puts that in parentheses, and we were singing. Well, we were meant to be the singing. I turned to a friend next to me and commented, no one's singing. He looked at me as if I just observed that no one was flying. Of course they're not singing. We haven't really sung here for years. 13 years ago, this is John Piper again, 13 years ago we asked, what should be the defining sound of corporate worship at Bethlehem? That's his church. Besides the voice of biblical preaching, we meant should it be a pipe organ, a piano, a guitar, drums, choir, worship team, orchestra, etc., etc., the answer we gave was the people of Bethlehem singing. Some thought that's not much help in deciding which instrument should be used. Perhaps not. But it is massively helpful in clarifying the meaning of those moments. If Bethlehem is not singing and making melody to the Lord with our hearts, it's all over. We close up shop. This is no small commitment. I mean, John Piper, who, man, go listen to anything he says. He's absolutely incredible. He said, look, the key, the key here, the key to congregational singing, the reason that we actually have song is that so we, one another, can sing and make melody from our hearts to God so that other people can be encouraged, inspired, and lifted up in their relationship with God or towards a relationship with God. And if we want to be a great church, we have to be committed. We have to be committed 
to making melody from our hearts, the core of our being, to God so that others around us might be inspired and move forward in their relationship with God. I'll just say this. What if singing is part of leading others to Christ? Because we always think, don't we always think like, it's all about the sermon. And if people come here and they hear the right sermon, then they'll give their lives to Jesus. But I just want to read you a couple of verses. Uh, Psalm 105, 1 and 2. Uh, God, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. God looks at, at, through, through the psalmist to the nation and says, Hey, I want you to tell everybody about me. I want everybody to know the truths of me. Sing. It's pretty incredible. In 1 Corinthians 14, 15, Paul says, I will sing with my spirit, but also sing with my understanding. And then down in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, this is what we read. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. When you sing, you ought to sing so that the church can be built up. And I think Paul would offer to us, that's only going to happen through the music if you sing from your heart to God so that others may be inspired and encouraged and convicted and compelled to move forward in their relationship with God. We have to give thanks in everything. And we have to do it from the core of our being so that others may be inspired and move forward. Philip Schaff, church historian in the 19th century, said the song, a form of prayer in the festive dress of poetry and the elevated language of inspiration raises the congregation to the highest pitch of devotion and gives it a part in the heavenly harmonies of the saints. In Augustine's Confessions, he observes that when sacred words are joined to pleasant music, our souls are moved and are more religiously and with a warmer devotion kindled to piety than if they are not sung. You see, I could preach a great sermon. We could have the perfect gathering kind of order and events and do everything right corporately and the band could not miss a note and play the perfect, uh, the, the, sing the perfect melody and we could have the perfect songs. It's not gonna happen. But we, could, we could hit it all but we'll never be the church God wants us to be if you are not committed to singing from your heart to God so that you may speak to others an encouraging word that tears down walls and, and brings rot into health and vitality and life. We must sing from the depths of our souls so that others are taught and convicted and edified as we praise our Father in heaven. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, I wish I would have known this verse at a younger age because I have, you know, you know, Lord, that I have far too often made church singing all about me. Um, I've made it all about how I, I feel and what I need to say to you and express to you and... Um, what I like and what I don't like, and it's all about me, Lord. But I pray for myself and for our congregation 
that now that we have seen this passage and the one in, in um, Colossians, Lord, that our hearts would be changed, that our minds would be changed. And, and we would not make this about ourselves. We would make it about giving thanks to you, praising you from the deepest parts of our soul so that others, God, may be built up. I pray, Lord, that we would not even worry about how we look to other people around us. I pray that, God, we would not, that we would not try to fit a mold that we've seen modeled to us in our church backgrounds or even what the guy next to us is doing, Lord. But I pray that, that we would just, as we sing, we would sing from every emotion and every place spiritually, and we would pour out our, our hearts to you through these words, Lord. And, and I've, as I said in a sermon last week, I've seen this before. If people need to sing different songs, God, then, then maybe there's a time for that. I don't know. But I pray that as we join our, our voices together, we, we would do it in a way that, that just is real and sincere and deep. And our singing wouldn't just be from our mouths, but our singing would be from our intellect, as Paul says, and from our spirit. As we take every part of who we are and we offer it to you in, in the melody of our hearts. And I pray, Lord, I pray that you would place a divine melody on our hearts. And Lord, I think some people come and, and, and they just, they aren't connected to you enough because they're not filled with your spirit to actually have a divine melody deep in their souls. And, and so they, they show up and, and there's nothing to sing. Good, bad, sad, happy, whatever. They just don't have anything because they're just not that connected to you. And I pray that they would take steps to be filled with your spirit, Lord. God, I pray for every non-Christian who will walk into our midst especially as kind of the, the summer ends and the new church year starts and people start to come back into church, Lord. I pray that every non-Christian who dons the doors of Creekside Bible Church, who walks into this building, would see us sing, would feel us sing, Lord, in a way that tears down the walls. God, you know that I want to get up here on Sunday mornings and, and preach with the walls torn down because people have already been touched by the congregational singing. And so when I open up your word and try to teach it, God, to them, they're already, Lord, they're already ready to hear from you because they've seen and they've experienced the depth of our love and our devotion and our passion and our connection to you. God, I pray for every hearts, the people behind me and the people in front of me, and, and I pray that, that we would understand and feel and uh, experience your spirit every, every Sunday, and that as we do, Lord, we would know what it looks like to, to pour out our hearts to you through melody, and I pray, God, that you would help us to, to move past distractions and mistakes and um, preference, Lord, and uh, and the desire to be alone for me, God, um, in the back. And, and we would move past all of that. And we would make this, this beautiful sound to you so that, that others might be edified, Lord. I thank you for music, God. Um, I'm not a musical person, but I've been touched by music in, in many ways and, and helped by song. And I thank you 
that you have worked that in and that as we'll talk about in two weeks, God, that's something that we can look forward to in creation, in eternity, when all creation, Lord, will sing from their hearts to you. And so I pray that we would be a picture of that every Sunday, Lord. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.